Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're here. In today's episode, we are talking about navigating staying connected through conflict in early parenthood and beyond with your partner. I invited onto the podcast married couple Dr. Steve and Lisa Call. They are the founders of the Reconnect Institute. Dr. Steve is a clinical psychologist and author of the book Reconnect, and Lisa is a Montessori teacher. You're going to walk away from this episode with a better understanding and words to describe why becoming a parent has potentially put a strain on your partner relationship. You're going to better understand how your own attachment history and story and triggers and past traumas may find themselves showing up in those moments of conflict with your partner and how to find each other again, how to find connection in the midst of all of this, how to create connection rituals with each other and how to actually incorporate more play as a healing bomb into your partner relationship. And this relationship between you and your partner is the foundation of your family system. But oh my gosh, can it be hard sometimes, am I right? I'm so glad you're tuning in today, and I think that you're going to find so much value in witnessing this conversation. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Steve and Lisa. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast today and to have this conversation talking about couples and partner relationships and some of the challenges that can happen postpartum and beyond. I'm really thrilled to have you both on and grateful that you took the time. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. We're super excited to be here and have so enjoyed your work. So thank you for having time and being able to have the conversation with us. Yes. Thank you. It's good to be here. So before we really dive in, can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and the work that you do so they can get a sense of your background and your context? Sure. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so Lisa and I have been married uh, about 30, is it 35? Something like that. <laughs> 35 35, years. Uh, we have three kids. Uh, we have a couple grandkids as well. Uh, I work as a clinical psychologist, uh, primarily with couples. So couples counseling, marriage counseling. Uh, I also teach at a grad school. It's called the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Uh, and, and then Lisa and I share uh, in what we have uh, co-created about three years ago, the Reconnect Institute. Yeah, and I am a Montessori teacher. I own a Montessori school, so I'm very um, interested in education and children and see the impact of families on children, and so I also have a lot of passion for marriages, and so we form this workshop and these marriage um, workshops that we do in the podcast together in order to come alongside couples and um, just the impact of marriage on family, so all very important to us. Mm -hmm. Well, we share that passion and yes. I love the two backgrounds that you both bring and coming together. And as a couple yourself, being able to support other couples and families and parents. So let's, let's dive in. You know, research has indicated that there's a certain point in time when, you know, partner satisfaction um, really can take a hit. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that point in time often is becoming parents, having a child. And there's so many different reasons why a partner relationship can be experienced as more difficult after becoming a parent. You know, especially in the very beginning, you're sleep deprived, you're navigating identity shifts. You don't have as much time for each other. Potentially, communication can feel a little bit more rough around the edges when we have we're carrying, you know, a higher mental load of things, and also sleep deprivation. Um, intimacy can be challenged, and so I'd love to hear um, from both your professional and personal experiences. You know, what's the impact? Um, for couples when they become parents, when it comes to feeling connected to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think the impact is so much more than we ever imagined, you know, and I think it's a little ironic because a lot of times I hear couples and probably us too, like we're just, we want to expand our family and we're going to grow our relationship and how wonderful it's going to be to have a baby as if that's going to add you know, more connection and more communication and in in a wonderful way, which it does. But on the other hand, there are so many things that change. And like you, like you said, there are so many things that are a challenge. And now we have to navigate so many new routes while being sleep deprived, Mm -hmm. while maybe not having the other's attention, like we used to have while not having freedom and just all of those things that go along with it. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's definitely a package deal where there are so many new areas and new possibilities and new ways that we need to navigate how we communicate, how we work together, and so many things can come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for us, it was when we had our first child, uh, what, a little over 30 years ago. I, I almost want to say that was the most difficult year of our marriage, the first year mm-hmm. after he was born. Most wonderful and the uh, most it, difficult. Like I think totally yeah, hand in hand. It, it is. And I, I don't know culturally if at times we talk about it in terms of the impact on the father, you know, in terms of uh, what, what do we lose relationally? Uh, Lisa's all in. Uh, she's all in with our newborn and mm. committed and time and energy and emotion. And and then maybe there's a few minutes for us at the end of the day, maybe. And, and I think that's sometimes in my clinical work, I would say we couples really struggle uh, in staying connected in the parenting years, especially in the first few years of life, uh, no matter mm-hmm. how many children they have. But those first few months, those first few years, I, I think we, we take a hit relationally uh, in our connection. Yeah. And there's there's so many different things that can come up that can also create more opportunities for conflict, unfortunately, Absolutely. right? Less mm-hmm. less opportunities for connection, yes. more opportunities for conflict, right? I mean, just for instance, you know, boundaries, you know, with extended family, right? Or decisions mm-hmm. that you're having to make together. And, you know, I think that what can be really difficult too, is we're talking here how that first year can be really hard and, and you guys experience that yourselves. But sometimes even following that postpartum year, it can be hard to find each other again, you know, um, once, you know, once we get our head above water. Um, and so that can be longstanding, um, sort of disconnect or struggles or patterns within the partner relationship and dynamic. So I would love to hear from the two of you when it comes to conflict and connection, like how do we, how do we find each other again in the midst of, all the stuff that comes in parenting, um, the increased opportunities for conflict, the what feels like less time to be connected with each other or to actually be with each other. How do we how do we navigate this as couples? Well, I think for us, and I think for the couples that we work with and that I work with as well, I, I think we we have maybe uh, entered into the realm of conflict in a way that we talk about it maybe a little bit differently. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that is that sometimes I think for most of us, we see conflict as something to resolve. And, and I think where we have begun our journey uh, years ago was to begin to talk about and teach about conflict as a, as a form of connection rather than uh, ah. revealing something that's wrong or mm-hmm. revealing mm. a problem. So maybe we could begin to imagine that conflict can actually be a form of intimacy. It can actually be a form of connection because 
I think for most of us, and this is true for Lisa and I, is that most often our conflict is driven by hurt. Uh, and when we feel hurt, when we feel missed, when we feel unseen, I think that's what drives some, if not most of the connection that we're enduring. So I, I think for many of us, and this is, I think, again, true for Lisa and I, historically, we saw something, com- we saw conflict as maybe an indicator of something that's wrong. And and we, we want to say maybe the conflict is meant to communicate something, that it's revealing something. Uh, mm-hmm. rather than something we have to work through and what's wrong. But I think most often, especially in the early stages when in the early years uh, with children, is that most often our conflict was about just mm-hmm. the lack of time together, the lack mm-hmm. of being able to be with one another. That I think that was often uh, a, a significant source of our conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you say that's true? For, yes, yeah. for sure. And, and, you know, we started off, like like you mentioned, that, conflict was something to resolve. And so now that we've been married for three deca- decades, we've began to come into this new language that conflict maybe is something that helps us to understand each other. It's, mm-hmm. it's a place mm-hmm. and a way to bring two different ideas, two different thoughts, two different two lives different together. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I wonder how we even thought by getting married and having a baby that there wouldn't be all these differences. You know, sometimes we forget like we're two different people. We came from two different families. We had two completely different experiences. And yet we come into this new family and we have to make decisions and and we wonder why, you know, why is there conflict? Why are we not make, mm. being able to make the same decision? So it's kind of funny. I guess it's, you know, young love where we <laughs> think, okay, we'll just work it out, you know. But as we've you know, made it down the line and three children later, we've realized, okay, you know, there's, there's going to be differences and there's going to be hurt and there's going to be, you know, not to mention all the, you know, conflict of our family of origin that we're, we've brought into. And I think that for me has, has made the biggest difference, the awareness of what kind of conflict, conflict or the way I had the attitude I had about it did I bring into the marriage? What conflict did he bring into the marriage? Mm-hmm. And then how, how do we, you know, allow ourselves to have more awareness so that we can see actually what's happening right now, but it's taken us years to figure that out. But now I feel like we can look back and say, wow, we brought so much, you know, from our past into the marriage at the beginning and wondered why isn't this working, you know? <laughs> and, and, and then I look back thinking, why would we even be surprised? So so much at stake. Yeah. You know, this, it's so, the minute you said, you know, that conflict can actually create deeper intimacy and connection. The first thing that came to my mind, my mind is because I've talked about when it comes to my own relationship with a higher power, let's say, Mm -hmm. um, that's been a, that's been a relationship for myself that has had ups and downs and, questioning and times when I felt secure in my belief systems and then also times when I've questioned these things. And what I've actually discovered is that when I question, you know, a higher power, um, I find myself actually more intimately connected with whatever that is for me. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because I'm more in relationship with it at that moment, right? The questioning, the wondering. Um, And so, you know, for instance, when my kids come to me with some of these big, you know, questions around religion or higher powers, um, I invite their questioning, you know, and I share with them that, oh my gosh, I question these things too all the time, the meaning of life and, you know, what happens after we die, these big questions. Anyway, all that to say that, I have found that in the questioning, I feel more intimately connected to whatever that is, hmm. right, for me. Mm-hmm. But it sometimes it, there isn't like a, a, another person there responding to me in the same direct way <laughs> that there would be in, say, a relationship, right? And so it brings me to this other piece you brought up here, which is what we bring into relationships in terms of our own triggers, our own attachment, mm-hmm. histories, traumas that can play out in our in our conflicts when, when conflict is entered into the relationship. And so, I don't know, it feels tricky. I totally hear what you're saying. And I, I do think that when like my partner and I have experienced conflict and we've, we've 
we've moved towards that conflict with each other and gotten support around that conflict if we've needed it through couples therapy and communicated and really hurt each other. Yeah, on the other end of that, on the other side of that, we do feel more deeply connected. So I hear what you're saying and I've experienced it. But it can be tricky, right? To like be with another person that brings in their own history, their own stuff, triggers that might not even be about the relationship, but about old stuff. So what do we do there? Like how do we begin to unpack and understand this for each other? Because a lot of times when we talk about parenting um, and family life and the word attachment, we're talking about, you know, our relationship with our own children. Yes. But gosh, we each have our own attachment styles and our own attachment stories that we as parents bring into the family too. So how can we begin to understand what that is for our for ourselves, how this shows up in our relationships and how to navigate some some triggers there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Cassidy, what you just offered is so helpful and so important as a, a reminder, but also an invitation that, that each of us bring our own story. Uh, we, we, each of us bring our own narrative with regard to so many different categories in, in our life, family of origin, whether that was conflict or trauma or shame or communication, uh, or attachment style, the, the ways in which we were engaged and related to, of course, impact the way we engage and relate to our spouse, our partner. And then we add children on top of that, and, and it creates even more complexity in those dynamics, specifically parenting and parenting style and parenting interactions that, of course, that's one of the top four areas of conflict in marriage. And so I think I think what has been helpful, both for us and for couples that I, we have worked with, is to at least simply initially be aware of the complexity and be, and be curious about the story of the other. I I think, and we think curiosity Mm -hmm. is the bedrock for emotional intimacy. Without curiosity, it's so difficult to be aware of those stories and how those stories intersect, how Lisa's story, my story intersect, how that then intersects with our marriage story. And I think that's part of our hope, our invitation for couples is, is could we be intentionally curious about the other story Mm -hmm. uh, in one, if not all those areas around attachment? What was it like for you? Uh, around conflict, what was that like for you? How was it modeled? How do we then bring that story into our marriage story that then, of course, at times would tend to create tension and conflict for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, as I'm listening, I'm, I'm remembering maybe the first 10, 15 years of our marriage, we were virtually, I would say, unaware, you know, of how is our family of origin playing a role here? How, what are, what did we bring into the marriage? We were just trying, we're both firstborn. We're just trying to make it work. You know, we just wanted to, to be good, to, to look good. Well, right? We just, we <laughs> want, you know, we thought, okay, we're, we're firstborn, you know, you know how to get it done. And mm-hmm. so I think we just took that approach and it wasn't until maybe, you know, 15 years in and with Steve's education and we began to uncover some things and just look at wow, what are we bringing in? It, it was a game changer. It really, um, as we begin to grow in awareness of, well, how do conflict look in your family and how do conflict look in mine? And like, for example, you know, in my family, conflict was something to be avoided. It was something we didn't really have it. We just kind of waited it out. And um, as a child, I remember mom just kind of going away and maybe closing the door and you know, I know she did that for her own reasons, but she was going to go and, and get herself together before she came out. Well, from my experience, I was losing relationship. And so for me, I learned that conflict was unsafe and that if there was conflict, I was about to lose relationship and we didn't talk about how to repair. So not really knowing that there was anything wrong with that, you know, I bring that into our marriage and one of Steve's ways that he coped in his family was he would also leave. Mm-hmm. And so when he would leave, it would be reenacted. And all of mm-hmm. a sudden I'm panicking because I'm losing relationship and this isn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And what can I do? And so we floundered and struggled until we were able to make sense of that. Mm-hmm. That's just an example of, oh my goodness, the, the awareness that we have now and what's happening right now. It doesn't mean that we have no conflict and that we do it perfectly, you know, obviously, but there's so much more awareness now of what's happening in the moment. Mm. And this this word of this word curiosity and this relationship tool of curiosity 
is so powerful as you're mentioning here because I do think that it really brings in a softening in to the conversation, right? Or into the the conflict, whatever that might be. Um, because what it does is it kind of, at least my experience with curiosity is that it slows me down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? It slows me down um, that fight or flight system that can sometimes get revved up in moments of conflict with my partner where either the fight comes on and I kind of get defensive or angry or the flight turns on and I find myself wanting to withdraw or shut down. But the curiosity almost is like a, it interjects that, right? Like if I inject a little bit of curiosity, it slows it slows that process down a little bit so that I can kind of ask myself both if I'm showing curiosity towards myself, like, oof, what's yes. getting triggered for me here? Yes. Or then communicate curiosity to my partner and open up space for him um, in my relationship, my, my husband. If I'm able to leave space for him to share like what's happening for him right now. Um, and being curious about why this thing feel is really seems is really important to him that we're having conflict around, you know, he's maybe going to feel heard and seen. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier for him to hold space to hear and see me when he's felt heard and seen. Right. And so and, and, and then the next time when, when <laughs> maybe if I'm not in any curious space, yes, right, and I've kind of, happened. of course it happens. Of yeah. course it does. Like, you know, maybe, maybe he'll offer me up some curiosity because at the end of the day, what I think we each want as human beings in relationships is to feel seen yes. and to be understood Yes. I think our kids seek that, but it doesn't change for us. Once we grow up, we still want that um, mm-hmm. and seek that and desire that and feel safer in a relationship um, now and then in the future when we know that that we're going to, there's going to be curiosity, right? Around, around our behaviors or our experiences. Um, and so oh, such a powerful tool. It, it yeah. is. And I, th- I think it's a game changer in those particular moments in our partnership marriage relationship is, is that phrase or that question of what happened for you mm. or what's happening for you, not out of judgment, mm. but out of invitation. Mm. And, and I, and I think, and we think that that has been so significant in our marriage. And of course, like mm. what you just said, Cassidy, of that it's not always present for us, especially if we're flooded, overwhelmed, deeply hurt, frustrated, it's difficult to access that. But I know when Lisa has invited me into that of what's happening for you or what happened for you, whether that's in the moment or five minutes later or an hour later, I, I think mm-hmm. it, it, it speaks to the desire to stay connected even amidst the hurt mm-hmm. or the disappointment or the frustration or the conflict. So I, I think that is so essential for us in our marriage to stay connected yeah. in those difficult moments or to move toward connection even when there is a sense of feeling or being disconnected. And, you know, sometimes we get flooded, what that looks like can look like a bunch of different things for different people, right? In these moments and um, just a word to describe being like overwhelmed and you kind of lose it and it doesn't go as you had initially hoped or that you'd like it to. And then sometimes following those moments, curiosity towards myself, like offering myself that own curiosity can be really helpful. Like what what was getting triggered there? What What part of me was getting triggered in that moment and what's the story of that part of me right like where are other times in which I have felt that I needed to protect myself in these ways right um through distancing or through pursuing um and so the curiosity even when it doesn't turn out how you wanted it to right and that happens all the time I know it does for me and another another sort of curiosity inviting phrase in the midst of communicating with your partner that I oftentimes find really helps me slow down is if I hear something and it's triggering something for me or it feels like it's not landing right um, or I'm getting upset by it to to say this is what I this is what I heard is that is that what you meant 
Am I hearing this right? I want to make sure that I'm getting it right because it's important to me that I do understand your experience here. This is what I. This is how I'm hearing it. Is there any? Is there anything I'm, I'm off base there about? No. And, gosh, yeah. You know, I think that that can invite. It's it's an ownership of how like I'm receiving this, and then an invitation to say I might have I might I might be getting it wrong though, right? Like there might be some of my own stuff that's kind of creeping in here and warping the, how I'm receiving this. Um, and it can, it's just a, it, it's a, I think it really invites a slowing down. It does. It does. I, I do think what you've just named is so helpful to be able to ask that question of ourselves of what's happening for me or what happened for me, but, but also what you named around, uh, the reflective listening piece or helping me to understand, is, is that true for, for you? Is that, is that what you were hoping I would hear? Uh, you know, we, we've lived, I think we've been trying to live into this mantra of seeking to understand versus seeking to be understood. And I, I think that is a, also a potential game changer when we're having conflict is, could we start there? Uh, or mm-hmm. could we move toward that? Could we move toward the desire to understand our partner, our spouse, maybe before or along the way as we are understood? And I think that it's difficult. It's so hard to do mm-hmm. in moments of conflict. It's so hard to do in moments of extreme tension. Uh, when we're deeply frustrated and deeply disappointed about something, it is that that is difficult to access. But it, but I think it 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 communicates. I see you. I think it communicates. Uh, I want to understand you, and I want to stay connected to you. Mm-hmm. Mm, I really appreciate this this piece here. We're we're kind of bringing home the message around, and I wonder for those who are listening, you know. What is a step someone can take towards understanding more of their own attachment story or some of their triggers? I know that yeah, I'm a therapist, so therapy is a beautiful place for that work to happen. Um, and so I'm curious if you have anything that you would add to that in terms of where, where can we start to understand some of these, these triggers? Well, when you were talking, both of you were talking, I was thinking that oftentimes it doesn't go as planned um, in that heat of the moment. You know, I'm not feeling like being curious right now. You know, <laughs> I'm frustrated. Um, and that's okay. And like we said, it can be five minutes later. It can be an hour later. It can be the next day. It can be several days later. It's okay. It's okay to have that conversation in another time, you know, and to explore that. And that's part of our connection is, can we, can we talk about what happened the other day? Can, can I just share with you what kind of got triggered in me? You know, like Mm -hmm. people wonder when can I talk about it? And I feel like sometimes we feel like we missed the moment or, oh, we messed up again. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I hope we get it right next time instead of, well, let's talk about that. You Mm -hmm. know, like that's fair game. It's okay to talk about that. And I think, when we do have those conversations in more of a calm, um, you know, benign time where we're not, and, and you know, then you enter, introduce children into it. So then the baby's crying or the children need you at that moment. So when there's a time when we can actually sit down and let's have a few minutes and talk about that, um, I think that's the time that we can begin to uncover some of our attachment, some of our stories, some of our mm-hmm. narrative, because inevitably that was part of the trigger. You know, there was something that happened in me because when I was a kid, I always got in trouble for doing that or whatever it is. And so that's where we begin to tell those stories. And I think it's really important that, that we have this attitude about conflict, that it is something that can uh, create intimacy because sometimes I think we're afraid to have these conversations again, because, Oh no, I don't want to talk about that terrible day when we had that horrible conflict because we just want to ignore that and we want it to go away. But if we have this attitude that conflict is actually potential intimacy, then maybe we're not so, um, you know, afraid to bring that conversation up again. You know, it's okay to have this conversation again. And so kind of giving each other permission or having this new awareness that this is actually going to be a place of connection for us. Mm. I really appreciate the reframe of that. I think that there's um, like a loosening of my shoulders a little bit as I think about like, okay, how can, you know, even in my own relationship where there's conflict, like how can I, how can I reframe this as an opportunity for us to actually 
feel more intimately connected, to actually know each other more deeply, to feel, to be more seen, um, to, to know him more, to see him more. And, but oof, that takes vulnerability mm-hmm. and vulnerability can be scary. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And I think that what can contribute to feeling safe in a relationship to embrace the what can feel like sometimes the risk of vulnerability because what if mm-hmm. I'm vulnerable and they shut me down or mm-hmm. I get hurt in that moment sometimes what can support our willingness to step in through the door of vulnerability with our partner is if we have if we have like the the stock of connection right mm-hmm. um and so I know that you guys have talked about creating in your work, creating connection rituals, um, also, you know, around, you know, laughter um, and joy, laughter as a healing bomb for, for a couple relationships. And I wonder if, if these rituals are, are doing something, like paying attention to some of these things, integrating this into a relationship actually creates almost like stock that you can, yes. you know, then feel more I, safe in having these harder, more vulnerable conversations. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So what, what might that look like, these connection rituals? And tell us a little bit more about this idea of laughter as a healing bomb. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that's a such a good word around stock, like, uh, like we're um, building stock or we're creating stock, we're creating uh, a, a base to draw from, uh, especially when there might be times days, weeks, months of deficit or where we're just not able to contribute or add to that. Uh, you know, we, I would say just over the last probably 10 to 12 years, we have been really intentional about that realm of the category of play mm-hmm. uh, and, and within play, right, right. Um, yeah, being able to talk about rituals of connection uh, that, that are intentional, uh, that, that communicate to our partner, to our spouse, I choose you and I choose us. And, and I would say in my clinical work with couples, for the most part, uh, if we were to maybe in the first 10 or 15 minutes of sitting down with a couple to begin to talk about, uh, help me to understand what your day looks like, or help me to understand what your week looks like. Um, where is there time for just the two of you? And, and I think most often when we are struggling in our marriage, it's deeply connected and correlated to the lack of intentional time together. And there's good reason for that, right? I mean, we, we're, they're busy, we're busy and distracted and mm-hmm. needs are, are more than we can ever respond to well and, and the demands of, for both of us. And so uh, I, I have playfully uh, begun to, if I, I'll do this with a couple, I'll, I'll begin to talk about if I could write a prescription, you know, I would write a prescription play three times a week for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it's that kind of idea around intentionality again, because intentionality of play just like when we were born into the world, when, when our caregiver played with us, it mm. communicated to us at an innate level that I matter, we matter, nothing else matters. Mm. And not that that's fully true, but in the moment, I think that's what it communicates to our partner, yeah. to our spouse, is mm. I choose you and I choose us. And and they, they can be really simple. I mean, we have, you know, our rituals are, we might have a cup of coffee in the morning for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, we might go for a walk on our driveway you know, maybe later at night for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and, and again, we are in a different stage of life. And every, I think, all, you know, listeners obviously are in different stages of life. So they've, the invitation, I think, for couples to be intentional is, is uh, I would say, a game changer again, both for us and for them around whether that's a glass of wine on the couch. You know, some people might watch a, a show. Some people might listen to a podcast. You know, each couple gets to choose, obviously, mm-hmm. what that looks like for them. Uh, but we have found that to be uh, maybe eases, if you will, some of the tension at times, some of the mm-hmm. conflict. And it's also not meant to be a time to work something out. Where I, mm-hmm. And I think for many couples and for us, that was part of our even resistance at times to play is that, oh, no, we have to work something out, logistics and, <laughs> you know, like plans. It's going to be an agenda. If there was an agenda. And I, again, we might playfully say there's no agenda. The agenda is just to be. There's not a doing. There's just a being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. So now I'm remembering what you guys say is that play is a healing bomb for the relationship. And I, you, I use, I was, I said laughter. And you know, the reason is because laughter is like shared laughter is a part of play. 
that makes me feel so connected to the person I'm sharing that laughter with. And like, Mm -hmm. just, and that's one of the things that I know, like my husband and I, one thing we, 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 we can differ on so many things and have been disagreeing so many things, but when it comes to humor, we share the same sense of humor, like the same weird (laughs) things will make us laugh. Um, And so you know, every, um, every Friday we have this ritual, um, on my Instagram account, Dr. Cassidy on Fridays, I share a collection of TikTok videos that like made me laugh that week or like brought me some joy. And I don't share them with him until Friday night. Um, after the kids go to bed, we'll lay down and I'll show him all these videos and we just laugh and it's, it feels so sweet. It feels so good (laughs) to like laugh with him, especially at the (laughs) end of the week when we're so wiped out. Um, yeah. And and there's, and there's some, and there's even some videos that like, I won't share on TikTok that I, I know are like, like, I don't know if anyone else would find this funny, but I know, (laughs) I know he would. Um, and I think that adds a little specialness to it because it's like, this isn't just something I'm sharing with everyone. Like there's things in here that I only want to share with you, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and I wouldn't choose to laugh with anyone else but him, you know, and that's mm-hmm. just one of our things. And so, yeah, I, I think in this season of our life, we have young children and, you know, I, I recently weaned from breastfeeding. And so we're starting to plan some little getaways and stay nice. some vacations nice. and, mm-hmm. Once a month we go out to dinner um, and we go on walks, um, you know, so during the week when the kids are at school on the days that I'm home or that he's home with the youngest, uh, one of us will try to get home a little bit early before the older kids are back from school and we'll throw the the toddler in the, in the stroller because she tends to be pretty content there and we'll go for a walk. And what's interesting is that you kind of named here that we want to use this time, like really boundary that time as like play time. Right. And that really makes me reflect and think, because I do know that walking tends to be a way, a a time where we do have some of the, you know, work things out or bigger conversations. And I think there's a time and place for that, especially actually knowing my husband, him being able to communicate to me that he feels like it's easier to talk about hard stuff when there's, when we're doing something like an activity, Mm -hmm. like walking, um, that kind of movement really helps him think and process more easily. And so we can still do that. But I think also once in a while having these walks where we just, just talk about the fun stuff, you know, or, um, and just check in with each other, um, or, I don't know. Like those, what you just named are so helpful because it it really is about friendship, Mm. you know, that we feel more content in our marriage when we are good friends and how do we cultivate friendship? We, we play together Yeah, and just like any form of play. uh, Again, each couple gets to choose what that is and what that looks like, but Mm. there's an intentionality to it. Like you just said, like we're intentional when Mm. you're talking about you and your husband, that that's, that's, I think how it plays itself out is, Let's be intentional about that dinner once a month. Let's be intentional about that night away. Uh, And I think for many of us with young children and even older children, for some reason, we begin to think the children are the priority and we lose sight Mm -hmm. of the marriage is the priority. Mm -hmm. And and how do we communicate that our marriage is the priority or a priority is, is again, I think through play, through those Mm -hmm. rituals. I think your examples were beautiful because they were, you know, mostly for the, in part for the two of you. And a lot of couples say, well, we do this as a family or we do this with our kids and which is wonderful, but there's, there's just something that's a little bit different. Mm. I think, especially from the husband's perspective, you know, sometimes the mom can, you know, if you're, you're breastfeeding and you're, you're just, your whole body's involved in, in parenting. Right. And so you're just so invested and sometimes, you know, he can feel left out or where's the space for me. And so taking that intentional time. Like you, like you shared those, like those, um, examples were wonderful. Um, and then the ritual part of it, I think is really important too. And the ritual is like you said, every Friday night, you know, we do this or once a month we do this. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the ritual, the balm of that is that it's something that creates safety because I can count on it, you know, like I know it's coming so I can make it through Thursday. I can make it through Wednesday because I know Friday we're going to have this time. You know, and so sometimes when it's too random and it's like 
we'll grab time when we can. It doesn't feel quite as safe, but when mm-hmm. we have something that we do look forward to, like, okay, when's our dinner going to be this month? Or when, when, when's our getaway going to be? And it's, so it's something that we can count on. Mm-hmm. That feels safe. Yeah, there's yeah. a, like what you just said is so helpfully said, because there's a consistency to it. Mm-hmm. And consistency is the bedrock to attachment. Mm-hmm. And, and when we, if we imagine viewing or experiencing our spouse as, as our new attachment figure, I think that's so helpful in remembering that as we play, we're communicating that I choose you, you choose me, but it creates that sense of, sense of safety, security, consistency, which is what we hope for in a secure attachment. Mm-hmm. Availability yeah. uh, are all just, I mean, those are the tenets of, of attachment and attachment theory. And, and how we are, again, we'll keep using that word, but it's such a helpful word around being intentional about yeah. cultivating that and creating that. And I love that you're kind of naming here that this is something that's just for us outside of our role as parents. Um, you know, a lot of these <laughs> videos that I'm sharing with him that I know will make us both laugh are sometimes not appropriate for kids, you know, the language <laughs> that they use. And it's like, yeah, sure. I think what, what also happens there is it's also kind of this like remembering of like, who we were before we were parents, you know? Um, And yeah. And and I do think that the kind of consistency that, I mean, on Fridays, I mean, or as I'm like finding these videos throughout the week or people are sharing them with me, because it's become kind of a consistent routine of what I do on, on that account. And people will share with me that they, Oh, I look forward to this every week or me and my, maybe my partner watch this every night too. Um, And there's, there's this sort of like this buildup of like, I'm, I'm yes, sharing these, a lot of these with, with others, but like, I'm really thinking about like this Friday night, like sharing it with him with a glass of wine <laughs> after the yeah. kids go to bed. Yeah. Um, and I really look forward to it. And, and I know, and I know that he does, that he does too. And I love how you're, a lot of the things that we're talking about here. It's so interesting. A lot of these different pieces around coming back and repairing or the, the play component, um, the consistency, the availability, the curiosity. So much of this are things that I hear a lot about when it comes to parenting. Um, a lot of the the parenting experts that I know, that I follow, that I've read from. And I'm like thinking, gosh, so much of what they talk about could be translated into our partner relationships, as you had discussed, that these this becomes our our attachment, our new attachment figure, right? That we're attaching to and building security around. And if we do put, if we do put stock in that and prioritize that, that, that the security that's built there is going to bleed into the family system, right? It's Mm -hmm. going to be felt in the home. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's good for kids, for our kids too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that if we want to, if I know a lot of my listeners are in those early stages of parenthood, postpartum and have young children and gosh, so much, so much there when it comes to sleep deprivation or just being touched out. Um, it can really feel like how we used to connect or the intimacy we used to experience feels really hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we're going to talk about curiosity here, I think there's also room here to be curious about how, how intimacy might look for us now. And it doesn't mean that we can't find those other parts of ourselves again, you know, but I know that like, gosh, that, that first year it was the pandemic and I was postpartum and that first year with our youngest. And that's when we started doing this Friday night rit- ritual of watching these funny videos together. And, you know, it felt intimate and it felt, mm-hmm. we felt connected and it might, it might look different now than it did before, you know, cause we weren't able to go out as much and, um, you know, sexual desire had shifted, libido, um, and just energy, but it was, it was fun and we could cuddle, we could be close. We were touching each other, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder, leg to leg. And there was just that, that contact, you know, that we needed. And I just think that it's, it's okay to explore what this can look like within our relationships now so that once we get our head out of the water, you know, and we're getting mm-hmm. sleep again and, 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 or our, our kids are going to school or, or our kids move out that we don't look to each other and be like, 
how do we do this again? Right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we, we found other ways to connect and be, and be intimate with each other. Um, and, and to find, and to, to, to be, to be able to reach out and to feel our relationship and to feel connected and safe and to, to just find each other again. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, you know, for so many of us, like what you just named Cassidy is, is there is a search a bit, a bit of a search around what, what might work for us or what might, how might intimacy be different for us in this stage of life or in this experience. And, uh, we, you know, for us and particularly for Lisa, you know, after we had our third child, that postpartum year was really difficult, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of trying to find, find each other, find one another, uh, in those first 12, 18 months after our third child was born. And so it, it is a very difficult, can be very difficult time uh, to find one another in the midst of, of particularly what she was experiencing and how I think I really struggled and how to come alongside of her and connect and be what she needed. And so that was a thing for many couples. And what I've loved about your work is that you've embraced it. You've been, you've talked about it. You, you've opened the door uh, to the cultural I think maybe stigma of, of keep it silent and don't talk mm. about it. But mm. we really struggled, I think, in our marriage mm. uh, that year, year and a half. It was one of the, if not the most difficult periods of our marriage. And we finally, you know, work began to work with somebody therapeutically around some of the areas that you were just talking about that, you know, allowed us to move toward one another differently in, in intimacy and connection, both emotionally and physically. And so I, I just think that the darkness of that year, that year and a half uh, for mm-hmm. so many women is, is almost unbearable. And, and it was really difficult for us relationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We haven't talked about, I don't know, the word shame, but I think shame really can come into some of these areas and be overwhelming. And as you were talking, I think I remember, you know, because the things that maybe used to work in the marriage some, it's not working and how come we're not connecting? And and so it's very easy to kind of go into shame and go, mm-hmm. what's wrong with me and self-judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think that entered into my experience of postpartum um, depression on our mm-hmm. third child when I really hadn't experienced it before with the other two. And so it was so new. And so it, it was very shame provoking and what's wrong with me. And, and when we have self-judgment and we're, we're, you know, telling yourself, why can't you why can't you do this? Why can't you reach out? Why can't you, that it's very hard to have any kind of communication. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to have any kind of emotional intimacy because you're not even allowing yourself to be available. Mm -hmm. And so I think understanding again, there's really no magic. It's all, it's all comes down to being known and, and Mm -hmm. having, and being understood. And so I think when we could begin to put words to shame and, and judgment and be able to say, you know what, it's okay. It's your experience. This Mm -hmm. is what's happening right now. So let's talk about it. And so that's what it, again, it's what's beautiful about what you're doing on your podcast, Cassidy, that you're allowing, you're giving language, you know, you're giving, Mm -hmm. um, permission to say, Hey, this isn't working and that's okay. This is just Mm -hmm. part of our story right now. And when we can talk about it and when we can begin to put words to it, then we, we grow in intimacy in the most unlikely places. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing, you know, a little bit of your story here. And one of the things that I that I often will say is, you know, let's bring some of let's bring some of these things that are hard, you know, being the hard parts of being a human or the messy parts of being a parent. Let's bring mm-hmm. it out of the shadows and into the light. Yes. Because I do think a lot of times where shame lives is in the shadows. There's this isolating. Mm-hmm. This isolation, isolating piece of shame, right? It's like there's something deeply wrong with me and I don't want anyone to see this. So I'm going to mm-hmm. isolate and withdraw mm-hmm. and hold it in. And then it festers. And, you know, Brene Brown, who's in tons of shame research, um, she has found in her work that the antidote to shame oftentimes is connection, right? Mm-hmm. It's, but, oh my gosh, it takes so much vulnerability to, yes. to do that. Um, yes. But, you know, in, in our own experience um, with our first, it was actually my husband who experienced postpartum depression that first year. Hmm. And oh gosh, so much stigma, especially um, as a dad right. um, and a lot of messages that, you yeah. know, he, this isn't something 
nobody's nobody's asking you or assessing yeah and you 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 mentioned earlier the that language and having words for someone's experience can be really powerful and i do recall one of the first times we kind of landed on the fact that he's experiencing depression mm-hmm. and the onset is postpartum for him mm-hmm. right um and why that was showing up for him and what becoming a dad like how what were some of the risk factors that actually part the non-birthing partner can experience and just understanding it the context around it and that it's a thing right uh-huh. it became really powerful i actually it actually became my whole dissertation huh. um, when wow. i went and got my phd was around peripartum depression in fathers in particular um and the work i did was around coming up with consensus for the language that we use to talk about it, what we call it, how we define it and understand it. And I think a part of me knew it was because it was so empowering to have words to describe what he was experiencing for him to describe it to me, but then also for me to understand it. Um, So, oh, well, I am just so grateful to the two of you for coming on and sharing all that you have. Where can people find you and your work um, if they are wanting to learn more from you? Well, thank you, Cassidy, for having us. We've really enjoyed our conversation with you. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Uh, folks can find us uh, through our website. It's called the reconnectinstitute.com. So just all one word, the reconnectinstitute.com. Uh, and then we're also, uh, we have a podcast that Lisa and I do together. It's called the Reconnect Marriage Podcast, and that's found on all different platforms. And then uh, just our social media is, uh, our Instagram is at reconnect marriage. Uh, if folks wanted to, to check it out, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. So, and then we also do workshops, which we've kind of, they've been on hold, on hold a, a little bit with this whole <laughs> pandemic, but, um, so yeah, we'll do workshops at different locations mm-hmm. and invite couples in and, and, um, just some of the same talk about opening doors and opening awareness and, mm-hmm. Um, and then Steve also has a book uh, written that he wrote with all of this material called Reconnect. So mm-hmm. we love coming alongside couples. Thank you. I will be sure to, for all the listeners looking for any of these resources, to include links in the show notes where they can find them directly. Thank you both so much for coming on, taking the time and diving in deep with me around this topic of connection, conflict, partner relationships. So grateful to have gotten a chance to to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also... For you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.